Welcome to this week's episode of Spilling the Scoop with Papa Zoop. Today, we are coming at you live yet again on quarantine day 6,571. <laughs> we got Alex Yogamutz, Guidi Zapancic here in Nashville, Tennessee. We got Papa Zoop up there in Indianapolis. And our special guest today, Natalie Cade, the owner and master instructor of Cycle House Nashville here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's going to be a fun one. Let's see what happens. There we go. Well, thank you, John. Hi, Alex. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Great. Fantastic. And like you said, it seems like a thousand days of this uh, quarantine, but uh, it hadn't been that long. We'll make it through and come out better on the other side. You've yeah. been spending a lot of time at home and not at your gym, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we've been really hunkering down, making sure we're paying extra attention to those shelter in place rules. And uh, we've been kind of nailing it over here. We haven't gone anywhere <laughs> for, well, mu- for a few months. You're feeling good though. That's the, that's the key to do this thing. You yeah, be, we're doing pretty good. End up feeling good. Well, Alex has spoken volumes about your classes oh. and about you. And she's, uh, she really bragged a lot on you. I'm thinking about getting the bike out right now, having yes. you put me through the class, turning the lights off and doing the one <laughs> special thing we'll talk about a little bit later. But tell me, what got you into this? What kind of an athlete were you when you were growing up? Well, I um, started really young. My mom put us in softball, me and my sisters in softball, not t-ball, not baseball, but actual like fast pitch underhand um, softball when we were really little. I started playing at four years old and just really bonded with it and played all the way through high school. And then um, in college, I actually coached um, a double A team that my sister was playing on with another sister of mine. So Really with that, um, just always played and have always used um, fitness as a way to help manage my jitters and my anxiety. And when I was a kid, if I was a little hyper, my mom would say, why don't you go take a lap around the block? It was like our <laughs> joke. She said, yeah, go, go take a lap around the block, like relax. And so I always just kind of equated fitness with feeling good and moving with feeling good. Um, and so when I, I actually went to college and got a degree in fashion, um, so I have a fashion degree and worked in fashion for a few years and always was doing kind of personal training on the side. And one day one of my friends said, you know, you could probably do this for your job and not have to, you know, work all these jobs. And so in 2012, I went full time, um, got all my licenses and certifications and went full time into fitness in 2012 and been kind of doing it ever since. Yeah. I mean, I see uh, the list of accomplishments you have and licenses you have when I started in the strength and conditioning uh, job with the Indianapolis Colts, I was one of about 10 uh, strength and conditioning coaches that they had in the NFL at that time. It was, wow. uh, it was unheard of. They thought you would lose your touch. They thought you'd get slower. They, you know, there were all these myths out there and uh, I'm showing my age a little bit, but you know, I mean, we, uh, we did, we did have, uh, we did lift more than just clubs and big rocks, but I mean, it yeah. was uh it was, it was new to the industry. It was new to sports and, and really, you know, you've come, you're coming up in a time when it, it sounds to me like you had as much fun getting ready to, to participate in athletics as the athletics themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We got really lucky in high school. We had a, um, a bunch of softball coaches that were really into the strength and conditioning portion. And so even during the off season, we were expected to show up for weight training sessions and batting cage sessions and stuff actually at our high school. Um, so I actually started, you know, with weights back then, and we were just allowed to use the weight room. And so, of course, none of us knew what we were doing. We we're 14 and 15 years old. So we just waited for, like, our coaches to come in and kind of show us the ropes. But 
I always just really liked it. I always liked being really strong. I always liked being, I always liked going to the gym better with my dude friends and lifting with them and kind of doing that whole thing. So I just really enjoyed, I just liked the gym. I liked going to the gym and people would always be like, Oh, what are we doing later? I said, I'm going to hit the gym. And I just enjoy it. You know, I, I always, um, I feel very fortunate to enjoy it like I do because I know so many people getting out and getting moving is something they have to convince themselves of. And I don't have to convince myself. I'm very lucky that I wake up and I'm excited to work out. I get excited for workouts every day. Now, do you, uh, do you lift as well as a uh, bike? As, do yeah. You, do you do everything? Yeah, I do a little of everything. Um, when I started as a personal trainer, I just started doing, you know, basic sessions, um, you know, hit sessions, teaching boot camps, teaching spin classes. Spin's always been my first love since the very first spin class. How I got into spin actually is I went through a really bad breakup and I was at a gold's gym in California, in Northern California. And I was feeling a little bit too sore to hit legs. And I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know, I don't, what should I go do? Well, there was a spin class starting. This was in 2008. There's a spin class starting. And I thought, Oh, maybe I'll just try this spin class. I've never done it before. And by the time the class was over, I was, I went straight up to the instructor after class. And I said, how do I, how do I do this? And she said, Oh, do you spin? I said, no, actually, this is my first class. And she goes, and you want to be an instructor? And I said, yeah. And she gave me a little piece of paper that had the national Academy of sports medicine written on it. She said, this is where you go to get a cycling certification and kind of the rest is history. But I love to lift. I love to be super strong. I love to squat and deadlift most. I'm not much of a bench presser, but, um, yeah, I do a lot of lifting. Actually, I have a really nice home gym here in my garage built out. And Alex said that in, in some of our conversations that you uh, did some powerlifting. Yeah, never like competitive or anything, but I definitely um, had a couple of clients who were really interested in learning how to do it. So I had to get really good at learning how to do it so I could teach them how. Um, and then I have a couple of buddies here in Nashville that will meet up with me and we'll lift together from time to time. So I'm not like some competitor or something, but I really, really enjoy a good single rep power lift. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you could tell by just talking to you that you have a lot of intensity and that's key to be a successful coach. I mean, I think you have to have that. Alex, uh, why don't you talk about some of that intensity and how it's, uh, how it's wreaked its havoc on you? Shoot. I, so the first time, you know, I went to your class, my friend Lauren actually invited me. She was like, Hey, like, let's go to cycle house. Like, Hey Lauren. I know, right? Shout out. Shout um, out. I know this instructor, Natalie, like she's great. And I was like, all right, sure, whatever. I like to sweat things, you know, like, blah, blah, just because I've done cycling before in um, the past and I, I was not prepared. Like I was not prepared. And I walk in and, you know, Jenna's like, do you want some shoes? Like a towel? And I'm like, I don't want to wear anything. Like, I'm not serious. I'm just here to like see my friend. And then I got in there and I was like zoned out. You know, the lights were off. They were like these backlight neon things and there's this amazing person yelling the most encouraging things at me I'm like I'm never leaving I'm never leaving (laughs) (laughs) and I let like I left I remember leaving and John and I like went to go meet some friends for a drink and they I all I did all night was be like you need to go to cycle house like you have to go to cycle house like this was amazing and then I drug John there I was like John can you just just give it a try like please just try and you know he's wonderful and like we'll basically appeasing. He's like, all right, here I go. And he was like, I kind of like that. Yes. <laughs> he's like dying, it. but he was like, I really like that. And I don't know how you got away with that because every time I yelled at John when he was working out when he was younger, 
he didn't like it very much. I know, we're screamers in there, the cycling instructors. There's actually the New York Times did an article like six months ago about um, cycling instructors needing to go through vocal training because of how often we like lose our voices and get vocal polyps and stuff from screaming. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like, I know it was written to be kind of like a satirical article, but it's like, not really. Cause after a full day of teaching, I'm like, nobody talked to me, like need to go. But we try to just like yell really encouraging stuff so that people want to come back. And um, there's something about, you know, the intensity of a dark room. Um, we have our bikes set up in our studio so that if you're a mirror person, you can get a bike that's in front of a mirror so you can watch yourself. And if you're like, I don't, you know, a lot of people don't want the mirror. So we have a bunch of bikes set up on the outsides of the mirrors so that if you want to just come in and head down and zone into, you know, yourself or whatever you need to work on, um, you can do that without having to watch yourself work out. So uh -huh. there's something about the intensity of, you know, being in a room with a bunch of strangers, but not being able to see anybody else, not being able to see yourself, that really puts people into this headspace of, of working so much harder than they think they can. And like, you know, those bikes have the screen. So their bikes are um, Life Fitness. What, what, what is the brand? They're, so we, we ride ICG. It's a, it's a German company. The American brand of them is, is by Life Fitness. Um, but they're technically, ICG is technically a German cycling company. Okay. Well, they've got this screen on it. It's basically like, these are how many RPMs you're going. You know, this is the level you are, how hard it is to pedal and like your total work. But at the bottom, it's like how long you've been cycling and how far you've gone. And a lot of things that they'll teach in the classes, like, you know, sprint for 0.1 miles or sprint this song to like get through a full mile. And all you can see is your own screen and you can't see anyone else's screen. So you're literally only competing against yourself at that point. And I feel like that's yeah. a really big thing because like in a yoga class, like as much as I can say, keep your head in between the four corners of your mat, like I, my eyes are going to wander. Like I'm going to look and right. see what someone else is doing, but I literally cannot see someone else's screen. All I can see is like, am I pushing as hard as I can? Like, am I doing this faster? Am I not doing it faster? Why am I not doing it faster? Maybe I just need to let off today and that's okay. Yeah, it's good. Now, do you, do you guys have, you play a lot of music in your class, correct? Yes. I know. I love to work out to music. I've got the Rocky theme song that just plays <laughs> over and over and over again. And you know, when I'm working out, but you know, one thing that I've always found is that when you mentioned it, 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 it really hit home with me. Some people like mirrors, some people don't like mirrors, some people mm -hmm. like music, some people like yeah. their own personal headset. Whatever yeah. works right. is, I think, what you go with. And I think yeah. that's, uh, you know, good oversight on your part to understand that, you know, certain things turn pe certain people on and they're, you know, they're going to work harder. But the intensity factor is something that looks like, you know, just in, in the short time that we've been talking with each other, you could see it in your eyes that you've got uh, that. And that's thanks. really the difference maker between success and failure in your business and in being a coach. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, I used to not like that word intensity. I used to get it a lot when I was younger and the people say, Oh, you're so intense or you're so bossy or you're so driven. And I used to get really self-conscious. And now as an adult, um, I consider myself an entrepreneur, a business owner. I dabble in real estate. I actually have my real estate license. Um, so I do a bunch of these little things and I kind of realize as a grown up that that intensity is kind of what's built any type of success that I possibly have at this point is from being really passionate and motivated in the areas that I work in. And I've always been a huge opponent and I tell people this all the time. Once you find something that you're really passionate or intense about, it's really important to grab onto that and figure out how to make it your job, which obviously you did working with the Colts for some NFL, you know, the NFL for 28 years, like 
that's what you love to do and you owned a gym and you're like, this is what I'm doing and you use that intensity to get you where you need to be. So I try to do the same. I'd love to talk about that a little bit more though, Natalie. I think the idea of like a female being intense compared to like a male being intense and like Mm -hmm. being insecure about that, being called intense makes a lot of sense because people get confused with intensity and like passionate. Like I'm not intense because I'm mad. I'm not intense because I'm bossy and I'm a bulldog. I'm intense because I'm passionate and I want to get shit done. And so I feel like as a female who I like to consider myself passionate can also be construed as intense and like off-putting for people. So it can, yeah. I can completely like um, understand where you're coming from on like being insecure about someone be like, why are you so intense? Like, oh no, I just, I'm going to get this done. And like, you're not going to stand in my way. Right. Right. Yeah. Nobody likes, nobody likes your intensity or your bossiness until it benefits them a little bit. And then they're like, oh, good thing she was here. Yeah. Right. Or good thing that person was in the room. It's like, yeah, that's, you need somebody to stir it up a little bit sometimes for sure. Uh, I think, you know, and a lot of people depend on that. There's not very many people that like to work out by themselves. Yeah. I I enjoy working out by myself because I just kind of get lost in the music and lost in what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, when you've got a partner or when you've got an instructor that really has your number and can really push your buttons, I mean, they your your, your job, as was my job, is yeah. to take people further than they think they can go. Absolutely. Yep. That little extra push. Something that we do in our cycling classes that Alex was talking about with the screens is I always give a goal at the beginning of the ride. I'll say, whatever your goal is today. And then I always tell them what my goal is. So I'll say, you do you, this is your 45 minutes, this is your workout. I'm gonna hit 13 miles, or I'm gonna hit this certain amount of, you know, a watt average, or I'm gonna go for this RPM average. And I always make sure that at the beginning of every class, I set some kind of goal. And of course, if, if that's not your, your deal that day, maybe you just need, had a rough day at work and you just need to come in and sweat it out, that's fine too. But we really find that we're a numbers-driven studio and a stats-driven studio. It's why we do use those ICG bikes because the stats are so important to us. Traditionally, spin bikes don't have a console. You know, you just get on and ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just make sure that everybody's riding with us. I'll ask them continuously all throughout class, have you hit your goal? If you hit it, I need you to set a new one. You have two songs to hit the goal you came in with. If you're not there yet, you've got two songs to get there. And I find that there's a certain like niche of people that really like that specific goal. And I know that because I get a hundred Instagram messages a week from people who are like, Hey, I hit my mileage goal in your class this week, or Hey, I hit my calorie burn goal or whatever. And another thing I do at the end of every class is I just say, um, did anybody PR? Did anybody hit their, their fastest mile? Did anybody, and people cannot wait to throw their hand up and be like, I hit 14 miles. Right? This mm-hmm. And it makes me so happy because I know that they're going to walk out of there feeling high on life that they've done some, you know, they've made a commitment to themselves that they've been able to keep, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, you just mentioned the high on life. When you go and you work out and it's in your blood and you have to, you, you literally, you like to do it, but you have to do it. Have to, I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where if you don't do it, you're mad at the world. I mean, yeah. it's a, if I miss workouts, I'm not a good person to live same, with. You know? Same, same. So, and, and that's the way, you know, that's the way you want to get to feel about it. If it's drudgery, you're never going to make it. You know? right. I mean, if it's, if it's a killer on you mentally and physically, you're not going to make it. You got to love to live in a non-comfort zone. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it sounds to me like you're doing that on a daily basis when you're setting new goals and do the students come after the teacher? Do the what? Do the students come after you? Do they try to beat you? And, and oh, all the time. They're like, well, what did you hit? I'll say, oh, I'll say, oh, good job. Like, well, what did you get? 
And I, I'm always a thousand percent honest. I'm like, oh man, you crushed me today. Are you toasted me today? One of my things I tell my personal training clients all the time is when they get stronger than I do, than I am, I feel like I've done my job. So mm. like when I'm now needing my client to back spot me instead of me spotting them, I'm like, we've done it. I get so <laughs> excited. Like I want that. Like I want you to be stronger than me. I want you to be a better cyclist than me. I tell my instructors all the time, like, I want you to be faster than me. I want you to be better than me just because I feel like that's what coaching is, is making people be better than they were when you found them. And right. I love it when my riders, I have one, one, we have a couple of instructors at Cycle House that are in such good shape. It's terrifying <laughs> where they're like, Alex will tell you my, um, one of our apprentices, my apprentice, Sammy, mm. she's hitting part, she's hitting, hitting sub two minute miles that's with her, funny. with Alex, she's hitting miles at 45 to 50% level in under two minutes. No, no, yes. that's not real. Yes. She <laughs> sets her, I'm talking, hi, Sammy. If you're watching Cycle House Sammy on Instagram, she will set her resistance to 50 and push a less than two minute mile. That's like some power. That is a powerful human being. And she hasn't always been like that. She started riding with me several years ago and was like, I want to be really fast at this. And I was like, cool, you're awesome. She, she yeah. obviously works for us. Yeah. Hey, for reference for you there, Pop. 50, What's that? For reference for you there, she said level 50. 50 is the number that I don't get close to. <laughs> yeah, I, right, you know. John. You can hit okay. 50. So, so 50 you is piece real, of, you 50 is real hard. Over 50, John, so you don't even have to look at it. You know, brutal. it's great to, you, you try to foster competition within the class. And the yeah. people that are competitive, I mean, that's got to give them a rush every time they walk in there. They love it. We have um, a couple screens up in our room and, and every instructor is a little bit different. I, I try to use the technology up on the screens twice per ride so we can set it for um, uh, like fastest. So I'll say, okay, we're going to go, we're going to sprint a mile and then I'll throw it up and it comes up on the screens by bike number. And you can see where your bike number is in, in relation to everybody else. If you want, you don't have to put your bike number up there. Um, and it's so funny because these little teeny people who, you know, come in, hi, good morning. And they go and get a bike in the back. All of a sudden their bikes up on that screen and they turn into these monsters, like face down, <laughs> eyes up, you know, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, by the end of the, by the end of the month, I'm going to be top two. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sure you will go get it. You know? And so people who don't even think they're competitive and people will tell me that they'll say, oh yeah, I'm not really competitive. And then I'll throw their bike number up there and they're like, I am a different person. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, that's I don't know good. who I am. It's that's, so fun. That's a great feeling that you have that kind of, uh, you, know, you have that kind of an influence on people. It's uh, is it all shapes and sizes that take the classes? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, we have, you know, super like the cool thing about cycling is you don't have to hit a certain level of fitness in order to take a spin class, right? Because you control your resistance. So nobody knows where you are. If I tell if I tell you to reach down and give me some resistance and you don't, no one knows that. So the glory is, is, you know, you can come in just, just fresh out of knee surgery or a hip replacement and your doctor says no impact. So you come in and you grab a bike in the back and you just stay seated and sit the whole time. You've got them. And then you've got the people that are in the front row, you know, six inches from my eyeballs, just with a resistance turn up, just crushing it. And they're all taking the same class. Mm-hmm. So it's all different levels of fitness for sure. It's that, that's actually the thing I love most about cycling is you literally don't have to be anywhere on your journey other than exactly where you are to be able to have a successful ride. And how do you choreograph the class as far as music goes? Do you change it up all the time? Yeah, so I would definitely say 
um, playlist programming is one of the hardest parts of a cycling instructor's job, they'll tell you, because unlike a boot camp class where you can just kind of put on some high energy and go, um, a lot of our rides are rhythm based. And so you need to make sure that there's a really good variety of different RPMs to match the BPMs um, in every song so that some songs are really good for standing up, some are good for sitting down, some are good climbing, some are good sprinting. Um, and it really depends on your playlist. So me and the girls have um, rules of the studio where you can't play the same playlist multiple times a week because if you have someone who loves to ride with you, you don't want them to be bored to death coming in listening to your same playlist over and over. It's okay to have favorites. It's okay to have certain songs to use all the time, but your playlist has to be always in motion. Um, but playlist curation, it takes years. Like I look back on playlists I used back in 2010 and I'm mortified. I'm like, oh my God, who made this playlist? This is horrible. Um, I, my personal preference for writing is I love to listen to music that doesn't have any lyrics. Um, I find that when there's a song that you don't know, you're able to zone in a little bit more and just focus on writing. Um, then when it's a song that you love that maybe you're going to be dancing to or singing to. So majority of my playlists are always going to be a little bit more electronic. But then I do have some um, instructors at the studio who love top 40 and they want to play Beyonce and they want and that's awesome too and that's kind of the the cool thing about our studio is that each instructor is allowed to just be whoever they want to be so maybe you came and took a class with me and you didn't love it and so they'll say hey who should I write with they'll say oh you know you should try Amber or you should try Amy or whoever um, and then they're like I'm so glad you recommended Vivian she's great or whatever so everybody's mm -hmm. playlists are always different and so sometimes somebody will say oh I really love hip-hop I'm like oh you've got to go ride with Tori so everybody kind of has their own judge I love electronic house EDM without words. <laughs> well, you've got uh, uh, Alex and John shared a little bit of your, uh, your, your personal history as well. Your husband's a musician. Does he help you at all with, uh, picking your playlist? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so he, my husband's a full-time composer. Um, and he writes rock and metal music. He played in lots of different bands. We toured together for years. Um, but no, he doesn't love my playlist. He'll deal with them, but that's not his genre. He plays rock music. So, but sometimes actually I just used um, one of his instrumental songs for a um, class I did on YouTube recently because it was a really good out of the saddle running song. It was a great BPM for it. So I used his instrumental song for uh, one of my playlists, but in general, it's not his deal. <laughs> Uh, that's it. Well, you, you don't want to get too you don't want to get too involved in the other person's work. That's a, yeah, that's sure. a, a good way to keep a marriage intact. I think. <laughs> so. Now, with the pandemic going on, mm -hmm. uh, it's got to be driving somebody with your energy crazy. Do you uh, you 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 mentioned YouTube? Are you doing a lot of classes on YouTube so that your uh, clientele can keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm really fortunate that I have a gym in my house from being a trainer. Um, so it's literally keeping me alive right now, keeping my mental game in check. And then I of course brought a bike home. Um, so I've been riding every day for an hour. Um, so yeah, we've done, I think we've got 20 videos up on YouTube now between me and two other instructors who've been contributing. Um, I've done several Instagram live classes on the bike just to, for people who have bikes at home. Um, but yeah, it's been a really trying time. You know, we just opened in November and, um, we got through the holidays and then the beginning of the year rush of fitness and we were really just hitting our stride. When this happened, um, we shut down about a week before we were forced to. We just made the decision as a team. A lot of my instructors were getting were too nervous to come to work, and I supported that completely. So we shut down about a week before we were supposed to, and I feel really good about that because I kind of feel like 
we did the right thing before we were forced to do the right thing. Um, a lot of people are really annoyed right now that fitness is in um, stage three of the re or phase three of the reopening. But we're actually feeling really good about the mayor's decision to keep fitness facilities closed for a little bit longer. I know that's an unpopular opinion because as a small business owner, of course, I want to get reopened and I want to, you know, get back to business. But at the same time, sure. it's not worth anybody dying over taking a spin class. Um, a lot of my friends that own gyms have reopened this last week and they're doing fine. I just think for our county, it's, it was the, the right move to stay closed for a little bit longer. Um, I'm absolutely worried about the reopen and what that's going to look like. If you think about it, like a fitness facility, there's no way to social distance in a fitness facility. You can put right. treadmills and bikes six feet from each other, but you know, breathing yeah. and sweating, there's no way to not be all over each other in a fitness facility. Yeah. There's a droplet or two getting out, you know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're, and you're, no matter how you clean things between it's, it's, I mean, it's, it seems like an impossible task. It's impossible. And I have friends doing it. We have a, one of my friends owns a, a gym up in Hendersonville and she reopened this week and she's taking temperatures at the door and they're, they're limiting their people to appointment only. We don't have that option at the, at cycle house because, um, we can't let people in only by appointment. You know, if you sign up for the class, sign up for the class. I know a lot of the um, other cycling studios that are reopening in the surrounding counties are doing limited bikes, six feet apart, taking temperatures, limiting classes to 30 minutes. And it just, it's such a, like, it's such a monster in my head that I almost rather just wait until we're completely in the clear and just be able to reopen, reopen. So that's right. what we're doing. It seems like that would be very stressful. I mean, if people are coming around taking your temperature, then you start paying attention to what everybody's temperature is. It, start, yeah. it starts mentally wearing on you. I know, Alex, you've been doing uh, biking at home uh, since, uh, you know, since the pandemic has, uh, has taken hold of, uh, of the, the whole nation, the whole world. Yeah. How's that gone for you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really surprised because I'm not someone who works out at home. Like, home is for rest. Gym is for workout. Like, I love working out. But, you know, since we've been able to get the bike on it, at home and I'm seeing, you know, my favorite instructors on the computer. Cause what we'll do is we'll take Natalie's class or one of the, her other instructors class on their YouTube channel and stream it to our um, TV. And like John and I will ride together. And so it's almost like in our head, like we're, in, we're having our like studio moment, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I know it's like, it's really, is it's like a moment. Like when John and I go to the studio together, it's, it's a date. Like we are going on our like fitness date. And so we've yeah. been able to like maintain that, which has been really awesome. And a large part of it has been because of like the connection that we feel with the people that we're watching. Like it's, it's hard to, you know, just throw a class up and it's this person who doesn't know me. And, yeah. and as someone who doesn't work out at home, like I just, I don't connect there, but like, I see my friend who is a small business owner who kicks butt, like who is currently kicking my butt on this bike and I'm like raring to go. So we, it's really, really been a lifesaver for us to be able to keep taking the classes. Um, and yeah, I think John, John, what do you think? I mean, I mean, pop, you know me, I'm not the easiest person to get to, to get to go into the gym in the first place. But so once I was able to like find something that I really liked, which was going to cycle classes there, like it was knowing that that was going to get taken away was definitely a, a blow to my fitness and my physical like goals but it was such a great thing that we were able to continue that and that these are still able to to ride and still do things like that and it's been great for us like she said for us to still be able to connect over fitness and things like that because we don't like 
it's hard for me to for me to go to a gym and lift. And if you ever see me out running, then you should hit me with your car because I should not be out there. Call nine one one right away. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been great that, that that option still stayed stayed alive. Really. Well, you know what? Uh, one thing, and, and I'll say this uh, on John's behalf, and he never admit to this, but. John was one of the most intense athletes that, that I ever personally coached. I coached him all through grade school and I watched him play in college and watched him play in high school, both lacrosse and uh, football. And John was the, this perfectly describes John. And you probably know some people like this. My son, Jake, was the kind of guy that would hit you as hard as he could on the football field. John would hit you as hard as he could on the football field and about a yard and a half off the football field, okay? So he was the guy that, he was always the one doing the extra little something, the extra little shove, driving the guy into the bench or something like that. So John had a, John had a love for the, the pain of the game, I think. And uh, it sounds like you're getting that same kind of a rush by, by doing what you're doing. When you evaluate an instructor, what are you looking for? <sighs> so, um... Very first thing is, and I've talked to Alex about this several times too, is um, it's really important to have your own personality on the bike. Your your bike personality doesn't have to be your real life personality. I mean, you can be completely docile and quiet and whatever, but once you get on the, the bike, you need to be able to motivate people. I can teach you how to be a good instructor. I can't teach you how to be motivational. Um, I can't teach you to be passionate. And I definitely can't teach you how to inspire other people. So if I find somebody that I think is really, really good as a cycler, like we did a, a slew of auditions um, in early January and I auditioned a bunch of people and didn't hire any of them. And my sister who manages was like, are you not hiring these people? And I was like, no, She's like, they were incredible. I said, no, they're really good at cycling, but I can't teach the the blood, sweat, and tears part of that. That's something that you have to just have. So when I look for instructors, I actually look for if, if cycling's in their blood or if groups instructing's in their blood first. And then if I think it is, then I'm happy to teach you how to teach a spin class. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it has nothing to do with how good of a cycler you are, really. Now, when you talk about motivational, are you talking most of the time that you're on the bike? Yeah. So you a are. lot of instructors are not big talkers. I talk for 45 straight minutes. If, I mean, I might give you a minute or two um, where I'm just letting you do your own thing, but I'm, I'm constantly, it's like, um, what I'll do is I'll read like the night before I'll read, you know, some motivational websites or I have a bunch of motivational speakers that I follow that I love some pastors that I love that I follow. Um, and I'll write down different quotes that I like, and then I'll spend a couple days in my classes talking about those points. Like if it's commitment or spending time with yourself or keeping promises to yourself, things like that. Uh, sometimes I'll go in there with, a, with an idea of what I want to say. And sometimes I'll have no idea. And people come up to me after class and say, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. And I'm like, what did I say? Like, I literally don't even remember. It's just like in the heat of the moment. And this is what I was feeling. And, um, sometimes if I know somebody in the room is going through something specific, I'll talk on it a little bit in class and they're like, they know it's for them. 
Um, but yeah, I'm a big talk. I'm a big talker in general. Um, but I love to talk during spin class. I just feel like anybody can put on headphones and go into a room and get a workout in, but cycling, you kind of need that extra push if you're going to get to where you need to be going. Mm -hmm. really. So yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. You say, uh, Alex, did you say something? I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, no, I took Sam to one of Natalie's classes and it was funny because afterward, like, you know, she gave this huge give them hell speech is what I called like the open house rides is there give them hell speech. And Sam came up to me and she was like, did you tell her to say that to me? Like, did you, how did she know to say that? And that I needed that. And I was like, I, I promise I didn't tell her anything. Like I didn't tell her you needed this. And Sam's like, well, I did need that. So I'm not mad about it. I love that. I love That's that. Great. Now you you mentioned that you used to you watch or you still do you you read or you watch a a pastor on uh, I do a lot of motivational speaking and really when I started doing it I watched the pastors on Sunday morning yes. they're the best they're the best yes. mm -hmm. I mean they there. can get up there and they can you know the inflections that they use and the way that they they use their voice it's up it's down it, and and it really it gets people fired up I mean their talks are their living. I mean, yeah. that, that they give. If they inspire people, then people support them and they come back and they, you know, they have a full church. So, yeah. I mean, they're living off of that. Now, when you do do any motivational speaking aside from uh, during a class? So, it's actually my biggest life goal is to become a motivational speaker, which is so funny because I tell people that and they're like, oh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's this weird thing where I just don't even know how to plug into that. Like, I don't know where to go. I've done one motivational talk. Um, the girls at the, at Belmont university had me in a couple months ago to talk to their group about, um, health and fitness and the impacts of social media and things like that. And I kind of used it as like an opportunity to go in and do like a motivational talk on loving yourself outside of your Instagram account, um, which was really fun. Um, but aside from that, I, the only real outlet I have to do it is just in my cycling classes. So I just do it hundred percent, but I would love more than anything in the world to be like a keynote speaker and get invited to do, you know, events and talk to people, women, wh whoever, and just, you know, talk on specific topics because I really, um, I really like to talk. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> you mentioned Belmont with uh, John uh, was looking at the colleges and he went to Belmont and I went there uh, with him to show him the college. And we knew one of the, uh, one of the teachers there, the professors, and I did a motivational talk for them while I was there, while John was looking at the college. So uh, cool. And it was a, it was a very neat experience, but you know, if you want to get into motivational speaking, there is no shortage of, of to start off with. You go to rotary clubs, you go to places like that they are constantly looking for speakers and somebody that yeah. does the physical part that you do with the reputation that you have in Nashville, once you're in the business for a little bit longer, I mean, go out and start soliciting those things because it sounds like if you can talk and ride as hard as you're talking about riding, then you can yeah. certainly talk and walk back and forth. I mean, I'm a pacer. Oh, yeah. So I pace back yeah. and forth, back and forth while I'm talking and it becomes kind of part of the talk, you know, in my job now, yeah. Uh, I talk to every one of our onboarding classes, every every uh, every recru recruiting class that we do. I speak to them every Wednesday, and oh, I cool. look very forward to doing that. You know, yeah. to getting them fired up about the company. It's not 
talking about electrical, mechanical things. It's talking about culture. Yeah. It's talking about the type of culture we're trying to build there and the loyalty and everything that comes with that. But, you know, you're doing so many things, it sounds like, in your, in your classes, that if you took five or six points and just build on them for a motivational mm -hmm. talk, you don't want to go longer than 30 minutes. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, that's a, that's a good time for a great talk. And you leave them wanting more every time you go, you know. And, and, yeah. and, and you've got to tell me that if you feel this way. When I go do a talk, I don't care if it's 50 people or 5,000 people that I'm talking to. When I'm done, I'm exhausted. Exhausted. I'm taking yeah. every bit of energy that I have, I put into that talk. Yeah. And, and it's a it's a great feeling, but it, it really, and it's kind of funny, and I bet you can identify with this. When I leave that place, if I walk out and, you know, people say, nice job, thanks, and blah, 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 get in your car, it's quiet, there's nobody in there. You almost go into a deep depression. I yeah. Mean, you, because all of a sudden, you're not on that stage. And your adrenaline is like down and oh, you're feeling yeah. And, yeah, and so killer. you feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I don't know, I've... If, if anyone's watching and you need someone to come talk to your group or your company, like call me, I'm here. Alex has my contact information. Um, yeah, I always want to. And, and that's how I feel after spin is like, I'll do a big talk or Alex calls it a give it hell speech. And then when I walk out of class, I've got so much, it's like my adrenaline is pumping so hard, obviously from writing and then from, you know, speaking into people's lives and it feels as good as it feels, it's definitely emotionally exhausting. I definitely know what you mean because you're, you know, you're kind of also, I tell all new instructors this, I'll say people are coming into that room and they're working out all kinds of rough energy. They're pushing out their bad days. They're pushing out their bad energy and all the stuff that's bringing them down and all their weight. And as an instructor, you're at the front of the room. It's really easy to suck all of that in and feel all of the energy from the room. And sometimes after a class, I have to go like sit down in my office and not talk for a few minutes because I've picked up somebody's really rough energy or maybe it was a really, maybe everybody fought traffic to get to class on time. Everybody comes in really tense or something like that. Um, and you definitely have to like exhale the other energy that you pick up and kind of breathe. And I tell my instructors, I say, if you are ever in the middle of teaching and you're starting to feel heavy, just remember it's not you, it's them. Um, it's really easy to take it personally if people walk in disgruntled or walk out upset or walk out feeling tense. And I always tell my rider, my instructors, like, it's not you. Everybody else is having a bad day. You just teach how you know how to teach. You do what you know how to do and let it just let the energy be what it is because it's really easy to suck it all up and then get just exhausted when it's over for sure. That's well, an you know interesting point because um, you know, I teach yoga and there's so many times where I'm looking out around the room like I I think I'm doing this right. Like, but I, I can't yeah. tell, is this person like it? Like, I don't know. Does this yeah. person like it? And it's like, you get into this like vicious cycle in your head of like, no one likes how I teach. No one likes me. But like, no in reality, it's just like <laughs> focusing on what they're doing because like, this is their hour. This is their 45 minutes and you're, it's, and it's not about you. Like, it's not about me. I go in, I do what I'm supposed to do. I try and, you know, provide the best class that I possibly can. But yeah. like, I have to step back and be like, it's not about me. This it's is not about me. All yep. about them. Uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm really doing, hard to do. It's really hard, and it's hard to like, you know, look around and some of my instructors will come out of the room after they're teaching and say, "How's class?" and they'll go, "I don't know if they liked it." I'm like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, they did," because on the way out, I said, "How was class?" and everybody said, "It was awesome." You know, yeah. but we're mm -hmm. only feeling as instructors and as coaches, we're only feeling 
the exhaled emotions. We don't get to feel really those inhaled emotions that they're getting from us. And it's really easy to get wiped out. Yeah. And it's like, as, as a younger instructor, like I've only been teaching for a couple years now and it's very easy to see that get discouraged and be like, what do I need to do better? Like, while yeah. yes, I need to be searching for that all the time, but maybe I don't need to take that moment in that class yeah. as I need to Absolutely. do better because this person, this one single person may not have loved it. And I actually don't even know because we didn't talk about it, you know? Yeah. And maybe they loved it. Maybe something else is going on in their day and something else going yep. on in their life. And they just came in with this tension and we just have to remember that we're doing it right. We're doing a good job. And as long as we just keep up and up and keep smiling, do what we're supposed to do, how they interpret their ride or their, their practice is going to be on them. It's up to them. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you. I'm, you know, in all the years that you've been doing this, like, I'm sure you've come across people who like, you're just not their flavor of instructor, yeah, like, yeah. not their flavor of personal trainer. How sometimes like a lot of people won't even tell you and they just never come back and they never okay, come back. cool. Yeah. But like, how do you respond to like feedback that you get from clients, from people like what, um, what advice I guess you have for people in the industry of like how to take feedback, criticism. Sometimes it's not even constructive. It's just kind of mean. Like how it's do you mean, navigate yeah. those waters? Um, I actually just talked to my husband about this on our walk this morning. I have a daily conversation with myself. That I can't make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm a three on the Enneagram. Um, so I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to like me. I want to be, I want my classes to be full. Um, but I have to have that conversation with myself constantly that like, just like, you know, I'm sure Alex, like with your years of yoga, I'm sure you've gone to yoga classes and taken an instructor and been like, wow, I did not, I did not vibe with that person. Mm -hmm. And then you just don't go back to that person. But I noticed with fitness is if people take a spin class with somebody and they hate it, they'll tell me like, oh yeah, I took a spin class once in college and I just hated the instructor and my butt cheeks were sore and I never tried it again. Like, cool. And I'm like, oh God, you need it. Can you come back and try again? Um, but no, I have it at cycle house all the time. We get, uh, we send out, you know, the reviews and people respond to them anonymously. And we get stuff about me all the time. Actually the other day, my sister Jenna had me dying laughing. It was a couple months ago. Somebody left a review and said, um, Natalie is a mediocre instructor at best. Oh. <laughs> and she was so excited to tell me because she knows that I have such thick skin that we both cracked up about it. I was like, what? She goes, somebody said your class was mediocre. And she like, couldn't wait. Cause we, she knew if she thought it would hurt my feelings, she obviously wouldn't have told it to me like that. But we had like a good laugh about it because her response to them was, oh, I'm sorry. You didn't have a great experience with Natalie's class. We have eight other instructors. Uh, you need to come back and try somebody else. Yeah. So for me, I've had a lot of weird stuff happen in fitness. When I first became um, a personal trainer, I was working for this company and I was so excited. I wasn't working. I was working at a gym part-time and um, one of the girls at the office said her legs are too big to be a personal trainer. Oh, if she wow. was my personal trainer, if I walk, I literally heard her say over the cubicle wall and I've never gotten over it. If you can't tell I'm talking about it 10, 10 years later, but she, I heard her say, I can't believe she became a personal trainer. If I walked into a gym and that was my trainer, I would walk out. I'm on fire on the inside, yeah. Natalie. I'm on and fire. That was, that was my first week as a personal trainer. I didn't even have a client yet. And I went back to my desk and cried about it for a minute. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like everybody must think that. Everybody must think that. 
because of this girl being said, and she's talking about me on the other side of the cubicle, which obviously this girl's a snake, but that's a whole nother thing. But if she's saying that to other people, that means people think that about me, right? So it definitely hit my self-esteem in a way. However, a year later, when I was making my full, my, my full-time job was personal training and I had 60 full-time clients in California and was paying all of my bills as a personal trainer, I remembered her and remembered that was just that one person. And anytime I'm feeling really discouraged, I look back at my track record with my, um, I have clients that I've had since I first moved here because they, they sign up with me over and over and over. And so I just try to remember that one person's opinion of me doesn't really mean shit. And sure. If you have something constructive to say, I'd love to hear it. Cause I'd love to be a better instructor all the time. But most people that have that kind of feedback are just mean people. And I'm not a mean person. So I just, I'm able to kind of let it roll off, you know? Well, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get all kinds of people that come into classes and, uh, you know, as a coach, you're going to coach a lot of different personalities from a lot of different uh, places in the NFL. We had people from all over the country, all over the world that played for you. And you had to find a common denominator that you could push that group at, you know, and and really to be liked was if they really liked you a lot, it was really tough to push them. So you had to have that barrier kind of between the coach and the, uh, the player because my job was to almost make them quit every day. Yeah. And then the next day, <laughs> go to almost make them quit again. And I when you it. do that to somebody, you really find out a lot about them. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're pushing people as hard as you're pushing people, honesty comes real quick. You can't be fake. You can't have a facade. Yeah. You're, when you're that tired, you're right on the edge of falling over. Everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be honest. Absolutely. And you can tell who your leaders are. You can tell the people that are probably leaders everywhere they go in everything that they do. And you can pick those people out. And my job as a coach was to go tell the head coach, you can count on this guy. You can count on this guy. You can count on this one. This one you can't count on. He'll quit. So, wow. you know, you're evaluating people at the same time. Yeah. That's huge. I would love to know, like, so that, that entire um, situation really kind of uh, speaks to me. So for example, when I just got my um, personal training certification in like, I know, right. Um, But I got it from the same place. It's a national Academy of sports medicine. And I was like, very excited about this. Um, But you know, it's really intimidating going into the fitness like professional fitness. Um, it was very intimidating going in as a yoga teacher. It's very intimidating trying to get in. Like I, to be honest, I have not had a single client yet, (laughs) Um, but you know, I passed my test and I go home and I'm like, we should celebrate. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I am filled with insecurities and fears because what if someone looks at me and says, how the hell is she going to be my personal trainer? Like, what if that happens to me? No one's going to like, it's almost at that point, it's like your body and like how you are, how people look at you then becomes your advertising. Absolutely. Don't yeah. let me even get into social media, but like yeah. it could go there. And so yeah. it's like, how do you get past, um, that kind of, those fears, like those insecurities of like, my thighs are too big or like my belly, when I sit down, it looks this way or whatever. How do you get past? Cause I went out to go have a drink with John afterwards to celebrate. And I was just like sobbing. And he was like, why are you crying? And I'm like, because I'm scared that people are going to judge me. So how do you get past that? So you don't. Oh, good. Um, You don't get past it. (laughs) You just just get stronger than it. 
Um, you don't, I mean, I have that every day. I always tell, I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, I'm always afraid that I'm going to tell people I own a gym and they're going to look me up and down and go, you do. But here's what I'll say. I will say 100% my success as a trainer has been because I look like a normal person. Um, I, the feedback I get from women in the last 10 years is, oh my gosh, I was so nervous to be, to get a personal trainer. And then I met you and I was like, oh, she's just normal. And I was like, at first I would take offense to that. I'd be like, what does that mean? Cause I work my ass off. What do you mean? I just look normal. Right. Cause your brain is like, what does that, what does normal mean? Yeah. And then as I realized that these people were only rehiring me and buying more packages and buying more packages to train with me because I was not intimidating. And I just looked like one of their friends that just happened to know how to work out really well. It's honestly become my brand, you know? And so of course, like you want to be a size two and you want to have a six pack and you want to have a Kim Kardashian bud and you want to have all this. And I totally, I totally get that. And, and that's not to say that we aren't all working on that all the freaking time. Right. But you don't get over the insecurities of, of having to be a professional in any field and fitness is no different than that, you know? And like, I know when I started taking clients for the first time, I would, I told my gym manager back in California, I was like, well, don't give me any guys. And he was like, why? And I was like, I, don't, I can't train a dude. And they're like, why? And I remember my very first male client ever. I took a male client. We had an hour session. A couple days later, I ran into his wife at the gym and I said, oh, hi. And she said, you kicked my husband's butt. And I said, Oh, I really? And she said, yeah, he calls you his ninja to all of his friends. He's like, my ninja trainer kicks my ass at the gym. He's like, she's five foot two and she's kicking my ass. And I, I have this moment of like, okay, I, I can't be intimidated. I can't think that I'm not good at this if I am, you know? Yeah. So I'll say you're always going to be insecure. You're always going to be self-conscious and you just have to be a little bit stronger than it. You'll be fine. You're going to be great. You know, that's, what, that's what helps make you the best. When you have that drive, when you feel that insecurity and you overcome it. Yeah. And then you have some successes. The more successes you start piling up, all of a sudden you don't feel that way as much. You know? Yeah. But you always want to feel that challenge that you've got to get better. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be taking steps forward. Otherwise, you're taking steps backward. So, yeah. you know, that kind of a challenge. And when somebody gives you that kind of a feedback, Boy, it, it just fuels the fire. I mean, it, yeah. it, uh, it keeps you going. And as a, as a coach, you know, sometimes you're the loneliest person in the world because you did kick that guy's butt. He didn't think that you could, but yeah. he, 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 you were able to do that. You know, I mean, it's uh, my wife, like you, she's five foot two. She's a hundred and nothing. And she was a personal trainer uh, for a while. She won the American bodybuilding. Yes. She, make, she made my friends cry. You know, yeah, I mean, they, they, were, they were the happiest people in the world when she got pregnant, you know, oh, <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she stopped, she stopped training. Them. So, uh, I but I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where, you know, nowadays, and, and I think, you know, for, for women in fitness, I mean, I see so many more women in fitness that are really climbing to the top, uh, you know, yeah. of, the, of the ladder. And, you, you know, uh, it's, it's something that I think it's, it's an innate quality that you, the toughest people I know are women when it yeah. comes to pushing themselves. Yeah, they am right. It, it yeah. is, is really true. They don't want to quit. They don't want to fail. They want to succeed. They want, you know, I stopped short of the Kim uh, Kardashian, but I don't want that in my workouts. Okay. But, uh, but <laughs> you don't the, want that, uh, Papa Zoop. <laughs> you know, you do, you do want, you do want that kind of challenge every day. Yeah. And, 
when people when people question you and when people check your you know your whole card, they see they see what you're made out of. Yeah. You know, and you see what you're made out of. Yeah. So that's you know that's critical I think to being a great coach is to go out there and sometimes it's you against the world and you know you yeah. have to play that hand that you're dealt and then turn it into something. Yeah. One story I like to share and this goes along with that and exactly what Alex asked me um, and Alex might know this story but. Uh, several years ago, I auditioned to be an instructor before I had my studio. I auditioned to be an instructor for a world-class company. And I sent in my audition. I went and auditioned in person. They said it was great. They wanted me to make an audition video to send to corporate. So I make the audition video and they got back to me and said, um, we could hear you breathing heavily on the video and we don't think you're in good enough shape to work for us. And really? wouldn't hire me. So that was the day I looked at my husband and I said, that was God telling me that I don't need to work for anybody else and I can work for myself. And that's when I put the ball in motion to open my studio. So now I train other instructors. I was talking to Alex about this the other day. Um, I just got approved by the National Academy of Sports Medicine to be a continued education provider. So once the studio reopens, I'm actually going to be able to certify people in cycling um, through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is a huge honor. And I'm so excited to do that. And less than three years ago, I was told by a, this other company that I wasn't good enough to work for them. So now, is just, part of that the is part of what you're going to be doing in that position the motivational piece of it too? Does it does oh, yeah, it, is it encompass it. everything? Yeah, I'm going to teach all of it. I, I it's going to be a two day workshop. Um, it'll be ten hours total, five five hours on each day. Where at the end you demo out a class. Um, but the one thing I want to spend a lot of time on is obviously finding. And I told Alex this the other day. It's finding who you are as an instructor and then being that person because people can see through the phony. Oh, if yeah. they come in to take your class and you go to give a motivational talk and you're just reading something off the internet or you're saying the same things over and over, uh, you're not going to form bonds with people. and They're not going to believe that you're there to help them and motivate them. Um, and so a big thing I want to spend time on in the workshop is really being comfortable uh, being your, your real honest to goodness self. So I can teach you how to ride a bike and make a playlist and all that, but I would love to, you know, meet one-on-one -on -one with people and just really, um, you know, mentor and curate who they are in like as a motivational instructor, because the difference between a good instructor and a great instructor is the instructor that can make you feel a type of way when you leave. So that's definitely going to be part of the curriculum. And they want you, and they want to come back and get more of it because if you're a great motivation, uh, motivational coach, if you're a great motivational instructor, they thrive on that. They're they're yeah. depending on that. Like you said, when they have a bad day, they're dependent on somebody else to fill that gas tank for them. Absolutely, you know, get that gas tank full so they can keep going. And it's a yeah. that's a big responsibility, and it's uh it's one that sure you sure shouldn't take lightly, and it's uh, it changes people's lives. Yeah, I hope so it's really not easy either. Like, um, you know, as yoga teacher, I get up there and I will, when I first started at least, I was like, okay, I must do this. I must look like this. I must say the right things and all that. But it's, it no longer becomes about that. It becomes about like how you're leading people and connecting with people. And that's what gets them to come back. It's not yeah. necessarily, did I exactly cue the right thing or did I yeah. exactly say the perfect thing? And yeah. it took, I feel like it takes a little bit to get there of like, 
I don't have to be perfect. Perfect. Like they're not, they're not back there with their rubric jug, judging me on my demo. They're not there making sure that I get my certification. Like, no, they're here because they appreciate who I am. They think that either maybe I make creative flows or like I am an intense, um, mile driven instructor. It's, so it's really interesting of like how you find yourself in whatever fitness space that you're in yeah. um, and how you like how you show that. Like I try and show myself through like the creativity I bring to my clothes, my, um, my flows. Um, I'm not someone who's going to like talk a ton, but I'm going to make you move weird ways. And like, that's one way that I feel like I can connect with people. Cause like, I've never done that. Like we talk. Yeah. And so it's like, or I'm going to say something that's going to, or, you know, like for you example, um, you say all these things that people are like, thank you. Like, thank you. You, you're right. Like it, I just need to speak it into existence. I feel like yeah. that's how you, um, how a lot of your give them hell kind of speeches work or you speak it into existence and people are like, Oh, that's real. I don't, I can leave that baggage behind and ride my bike away. Yeah. So it's so interesting how you manifest your personality in whatever group fitness or um, fitness kind of platform that you're working with. Totally. Yeah. Natalie, Alex, both of you questioned, you know, as, as young instructors compared to, to my age, uh, when, when you're out there and you're doing what you're doing, do you ever have it filmed so that you can go back and self critique your, uh, your performance? Because it's really, <laughs> it's a performance. I mean, when you go up there, you're not just teaching a class, you're performing. Yeah. If you're motivating people, if you're getting into people's heads and you're, and helping them as, as well as from a fitness standpoint, that's a performance that you put on. Like we said early on, it takes a lot out of you. That's why you know it's a performance and not just a job. Yeah. Because you're, you're giving your all, you're giving your heart, your soul, you're burying your soul to people and that's a vulnerable position to be in. Do you do you ever think about studying yourself when you're doing it? Do you do you ever film it? I I personally I'm so scared. Like I don't want to watch myself back. We'll we'll I'll record myself um writing to like do put up as like for social media or something, but never like my motivational talk part of it. And I just don't want to get in my own head about it. And I know you're so right. Like I should probably do that so I can make sure that I'm polishing that and making sure I'm the best at that that I can be. But like, I'm always so nervous. Like somebody will come up after class and they'll say, Oh my gosh, last week you said blah, blah, blah. And it just, it made me think about this. And I'm like, I did like, I can't even believe I said it. And so I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to think too much about it. If I record it and I watch myself and I find something about it that I don't like, then I'll, maybe I'll get self-conscious or I'll get worried about it. So I personally don't. I don't know, Alex, you might, but I don't record myself. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> That's actually, I'm sitting here kind of thinking about it. I never, I never videotaped myself like in class before. Um, since quarantine, obviously everyone's had to go kind of videotaping and by like uh, virtually. Yeah. But I've seen other instructors kind of put up a camera in the back or, um, and a lot of it was because of social media. A lot yeah. of people were trying to do like a time lapse so that they could post on their Instagram. Um, and like, I get that and I respect that. However, honestly, I thought about it before and my concerns were, I don't want people to think that I'm so into myself that I'm trying to watch myself. And like, right, wrong, or indifferent. It probably had nothing to do with any of that. My, my biggest fear is like coming across as, 
oh my gosh, she just like loves herself so much. Like, let me take a selfie kind of a thing. And yeah. so that's why I, I would never, I never touch that because I'm like, I, I even get uncomfortable, like trying to film something where I'm literally trying to give you information about something we're doing. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm looking at myself too much. Like, what am I doing? But, <laughs> but I feel like, again, that kind of like comes back to the whole social media aspect is like, um, part of being in fitness a lot now is branding yourself on social media because people find you on Instagram, they find you on Facebook, you whatever it yeah. is. You know, so choice. Like, how do you find that balance between like, I'm a real human versus like, don't you want to look like me? Or like, you know, people take so many different avenues. And so it's like, how do you find the avenue that works? And, um, is, does it make other people feel bad about themselves to be honest? Um, yeah. And so that was, that was always my big concern. Cause I thought about filming, um, not for that reason, more for social media, but I was so afraid that people would think that like, why is this girl just want to look at herself? And as, <laughs> as someone who's like, who obviously takes both your guys' classes, the, like the, I've liked, I like the fact that every time you guys do say something talking to the class, it's coming off to the people that are actually there. So you're talking about the people that are in the class you're talking about in the moment. Almost if you record yourself and you practice it a hundred times, you lose that humanity to it because you're just going to repeat what you're saying. You're going to repeat the same thing. I don't know yeah. if you guys were taking one of the, uh, like the, those, uh, like the bikes that you ride downtown with the bar. I don't know what they're called. I can't think Pedal of what Pedal Tavern. Oh yeah. They say the same like 10 jokes. Like those, the guys who ride that say the same 10 things. And it's like, they're saying it like a robot because they've said it so many times. Yeah. It's like the times they're saying something that's like about the crew that's on there. Or the times are like talking about the actual moment. That's the stuff that's like memorable. Yeah. And when you got, when you're motivating people at the end of the class, like you're not talking about, like you're not just reading like something from a book or reading the same thing over and over again. You're talking about people that are there. Yeah. That, that means a lot more than if you were just, even if you were quoting someone famous, like you're still not giving your own words with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think if you're talking about being the best you that you can be now, not everybody can be the best doctor, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, but everybody can be the best that they can be. Yeah. So when you throw that out in a class, that means something different to everybody. You know sure. what I mean? Because they're in a different place than you are. They're in a different place than everybody else in the class is. And if you can pick a few points and hit those points with people, it's almost as if you wrote the, uh, the script for them, you know, but right. you got to find out what those key points are that people are looking for. And yeah. you know what they are because it's what you're looking for. Yeah. I say that sometimes too. I'll tell people, I'll give like a big speech at the end and then I'll say, sorry, everybody, that was for me. <laughs> like yeah. I, I needed that one for myself today. Thanks team. In reality, <laughs> it's for every single person because we're all right there with you. Yeah. I appreciate it for sure. Well, I've, uh, I'll get one more question for you. If you had a magic wand, okay, and anything could happen in five years, where would you see yourself? Um, getting paid as a motivational speaker. Um, getting paid to encourage, um, I would absolutely still have my cycling studio. Um, I do some real estate investment. And so I'd love to like, see that be cool. But the number one, the, the big life goal that I don't have yet. Um, I always wanted to have a spin studio. I always wanted to get involved in real estate, but the, the thing I've always, always wanted to do was to speak to crowds and, um, just about anything. And so I, in five years, I would love to be doing some type of like fitness keynote speaking where I can go around and talk um, to groups about the fitness industry or how to be, you know, in the health and wellness industry and still be uniquely yourself and be genuine. Um, 
and I would love to be doing that on a large scale. Um, but if in five years I'm exactly where I am now and my studio's thriving and the bikes are, the room is full and people are having a great time in my little studio in East Nashville, I would be hundred percent happy with that as well. Well, I, I just as an observer, don't count on that because I think you'll be a lot closer to what you're, what you're in, envisioning, what you envision yourself to be. I think those are, you know, you've, you've obviously got a lot of uh, grit. You've got a lot of guts. You've got a lot, you know, you've done a lot of things that you probably never thought you could do. And, you know, you, you prove it every day when you get up there and do it. And, and you're surprised when somebody likes it. Yeah. Okay? And that's, that's youth. Okay. That's youth. And the way, as you get older and as you learn more, you're going to know the points that people have liked for years and you're going to yeah. be able to shoot those things out there. I mean, I, I can see you as being a very successful motivational speaker just by the way you carry yourself and the way that you talk, the way you're able to just carry, you're able to carry on the conversation. You can carry a conversation. So Thank you so and, much. And, and Alex, I think you have that ability as well. I mean, and as you grow in this industry and as you grow as a, a fitness instructor, you know, you've already got all of the, the, the letters behind your name and, and the certifications and stuff. Now it's just a matter of putting your, putting your brand on it. What's Absolutely. your brand? Thank you. I appreciate that. So, we have a, a couple of audience questions here. Okay. Oh, so this, this question, there's two of them that actually kind of go into each other. So I'm going to read them both. So as someone who hates to work out at home, I'm curious to hear if there are any tips and tricks to help you get into the mindset of getting a solid workout in during times like this. And then also for someone who does like to work out at home, how do you find that fifth gear and turn the pedal up to go harder? Because it is obviously hard to do when you're by yourself like that. That's great. Alex, you want to go first? Oh shoot. I'm terrible at working out at home. Like I'm, I'm not good to answer that. I've gotten better. Okay. I've gotten better since we started quarantine literally before I, I did not work out at home. No, I would go to yoga studio. I would go to the cycling studio. I, home is for couch. I even, even uh, working from home, I had to get a co-working space because again, home is for the couch for me. Um, but since, you know, you really, we've had to completely reframe the way that we're focusing. There's not, depending on where you are, there's not specifically an end in sight. So like I've literally tried to reframe my schedule. I like to have a schedule. Um, I like to know that when I get up, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, um, in there, I will find time and I will do this workout. I'm a pretty structured person. Um, like I would say for me, it's been literally finding something that I like, like I'm not just working out to work out. I'm working out because I'm connecting with an instructor. I'm working out because this person motivates me and I feel good when I do this. If I'm like literally last night I was talking to John. I was like, I'm going to go run tomorrow. I hate running. I don't run. I don't know what was happening at like 11 o'clock at night where I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And I didn't because I don't like it. And so I think yeah. it's literally just like try the thing. If you don't like it, try something else. Try something else. Try something else. Find that one thing that makes you think about it at night before you go to bed. Find yeah. that one thing where you're like, I can't wait to like, like I ride the Peloton and I love, uh, like a couple of specific instructors and I'm like, Oh, I really hope Cody Rigsby has a new class tomorrow because like, I want to hang out or, you know, Natalie, you had your live class and 
I knew that I couldn't make it, but I was like, it's going to be live for 24 hours. Like I can do this. And I looked forward to it. I couldn't wait because I connected with that person in that specific workout. Um, anything else I'm like, mm, I'll do it. Mm, nope. Nope. Not going to do it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to answer the question in two parts because I want to answer the question about if you hate to work out and then if you love to work out. So Alex and John take my classes regularly. They will tell you there's one thing I say in every single class and put this on my tombstone, write this down, get a pen, put it in your phone. You don't always have to be motivated, but you have to do what you say you are going to do. So for people who, and I got that from someone else, I don't know where, but I got it off something years and years ago. If you don't like to work out, you don't have to like to work out. You don't have to be motivated. Nobody's motivated all the time. But what you have to do is what you say you're going to do. So if the night before you say, tomorrow I'm setting my alarm for an hour early and I'm going to get up and do 200 jumping jacks or whatever it is, you have to keep that commitment to yourself. You'd never cancel a commitment to a friend or family member that needs you and your body and your health needs you, period. So if you say you're going to do it, you keep those promises to yourself, you keep the commitment to yourself and you do what you say you're going to do. So for the person who asked the question, it's probably someone I know. Hey team, if you don't like to work out and you've tried bar and you've tried yoga and you've cycled with me and you've hung out with Alex and you've done a million things and you still hate it, that's okay. You don't have to like fitness. The stigma around the industry where if you don't like a specific type of fitness, it's because you're lazy or you're out of shape. It's, it's complete BS. That's not what it is. It's just not everybody's always motivated. So just remind yourself when you start to talk yourself out of the workout, you can say to yourself, I don't have to be motivated in this moment, but I have to do what I said I was going to do. And I said today I was going to work out for 30 minutes and then you do it. So that's for the person who doesn't like to work out for the person who does like to work out and needs to push it to the next level set a goal just a little bit outside where you think you can be. So like, um, I hate to run, but Andrew and I have been going on these two and a half, three mile loops around the neighborhood and we walk some of it. We run some of it. Some days we walk the whole thing, whatever. Um, but for those days that I need that extra little push, I just make that commitment to myself. Sometimes I'll write it down on my whiteboard in my gym. Like if I know that I can do 300 squats, then I know I surely can do 350. So set yourself goals just a little bit outside where you think your actual goal is. And that's how you'll push it. One of my favorite, favorite bodybuilder women, Dana Lynn Bailey, the girl is a freaking monster. You guys probably know her. She owns uh, a clothing line called flag North fail with her husband in a big gym. Uh, she's out of Montana. She always says there's a whole nother level just outside your comfort zone. So like, she's the queen of like, if she can only hit 10 reps at this weight, instead of being like, okay, well I can do 10, she drops them and picks up a weight lighter and goes until those max and then drops and picks up until she physically can't lift her arms anymore. That type of grit just outside your comfort zone is where you're going to see that big build. So if you're liking the workouts and you just kind of need an extra little push, set yourself that little tiny step just outside your comfort zone. Cause once you hit it, you'd be able to set a little step after that and after that. And next thing you know, you've gone next level with your workouts. Those are, the, those are my two answers. I'll say one thing that you say a lot in class is like, don't wish this time away. Like this is like, we're here because we chose to be here. And like, yeah. honestly, it is a, um, like, it's a privilege to get to like be in these spaces. And so it's like, when you start looking at mm -hmm. it, especially during this time, because like, I'm fortunate I'm in this, I'm in the space where I can wake up and I can do my workout and I can, you know, take time to decide what I'm going to do today. 
Um, yeah. However, a lot of people right now don't have that option. They either are going to work to be on the front lines or maybe they're out of a job or maybe they're in like a toxic home environment and they feel trapped. Like, so there's all these different people who like don't have the luxury to have the time and the space to like ha- do that workout. Yeah. And so when you sit there and think about it, like, don't wish this time away. Like this is a privilege. Like you chose, you chose to be here. Yeah. So do it. The, but like, why do it half ass if you chose to be here? Yeah. yeah. The workout's going to be over in 45 minutes to an hour. If you pushed yourself at a three or if you pushed yourself at a 300, the time's going to go by anyway. So mm-hmm. there's no use. Like, like, like you said, wishing the time away. Like if you're the kind of person that's doing a workout and it's constantly watching the time or constantly wondering like, Oh, how much time is this is left? You're doing yourself a terrible disservice when you already set the time time aside to do something for yourself don't hope it'll hurry up. The rest of the day is going to go nice and slow for you when you're doing stuff you don't want to do. So take that time for yourself for sure. And I mean, there's, I hate when my workout's over. When I look down, I'm like, uh, my pre-workout's running out and I'm, I'm over it. I'm like, dang it. Okay. Because I know that that was the time I had set aside during the day to absolutely do this for myself. And I don't want that time to be over. I don't want it. I don't want it to go away. You know? Also, like, what if you literally did not have the opportunity to have that yeah. time? Like Absolutely. We're so lucky. Yeah. yeah. And our body, and the fact that we have healthy bodies and healthy lungs, I mean, before this even healthy lungs and healthy muscles. And do you know how many people there are literally dying or have autoimmune disorders or diseases or viruses or things that they have that literally keeps them and all they want to do is go for a walk. And we have the nerve to sit in a spin class and be like, why did I sign up for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get really harsh with people about that. Cause I know there's people out there thinking like, well, not everybody likes this, Natalie, and that's totally fine. Not everyone needs to like this, but just don't take your health for granted. In 2013 or early 2014, 2014, 2013, I had an umbilical hernia repaired from, it ripped from years of lifting, and I was not allowed to work out for 16 weeks. It was hell on earth for me. I cried all day, every day. I would beg Andrew to take me for a walk. He'd be like, you're not allowed to go for a walk today. And I swore up and down every second of that downtime that when I was up and running and better again, I would never, ever take it for granted again. And I don't, (laughs) I don't take it for granted. It's hard to reframe like where you are in that moment. Like I'm, I'm not saying like, you know, everyone will have those days where it's like, I I wish I didn't do this or like whatever. And you're, you're human. Like we are all human, but how do you, sometimes you just got to like take that moment and say, okay. Maybe this doesn't feel great right now. However, at least I'm here. Like, yeah. And listen to your body. Of course, if you feel like absolute shit, I'm not saying get up and go for a run. If this, if this is your couch day, if you're like, okay, listen, but you can't let those, you can't let the listening to my body days outweigh what it really is. Cause it's not really your body. It's your mental health normally telling you that you don't want to do it. And, um, Jennifer Aniston said this years ago in 17 magazine, I think I was like 13 years old reading 17 magazine. And she said, Whenever I don't want to work out, I just tell myself it's only 20 minutes. I'm only going to just work out for 20 minutes. She said, and then of course, once you start, you're like, well, I can go 30 or I can go 35. And then before you know it, you've worked out and you feel great and you're so happy you did it. So, you know, promise yourself the 20, get up and get moving. Even if it's for a walk, taking your dog out, walking circles in the, in the garage, whatever it is, just get moving. Cause really, it really does help. You know, you're, you, you touched on one point. You said you got to promise yourself. Uh, the night before that you're going to do something and then do it. And, yeah. you know, you become a proponent of one more. So whatever you're doing, 
you add and then some too, or you add, yeah. I'm going to do that one before. more, whatever that, whatever that <laughs> thing happens to be. I'm going to go way off script here. And there's something that, that you, you strike a, a, a nerve on one of the things that, that I use a lot when I do a motivational talk. I'll leave people with this thought. And it's, it's about making a promise to yourself. It goes, uh, it's a poem. It's called The Man in the Glass. Have you ever heard it? No. So it goes like this. When you get what you want, you struggle for self. And the world makes you king for a day. Go to the mirror, take a look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. Because it isn't your mom or your dad or your friend whose judgment upon you must pass. But sooner or later, the person that counts is the one looking back in the glass. You might be Jack Horner and chisel a plum and say, hey, I'm a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You might fool the world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. That's what you're talking about when you make that promise to yourself. I love that. That's what yeah. you're talking about. You know, when you get up every day and you face that workout and you you become a proponent of self-imposed environmental misery. Okay. Yeah. When it's 90 degrees out, you got sweats on. When it, you know, when it when the ride gets harder, you go one more. It's all those things that Alex does it with uh, you know, with her uh, yoga. You do it with the, you know, a variety of different fitness, uh, you know, classes and things that you do, but it's that attitude. That's what it's all about. It's about yeah. the attitude that you bring to the, that you bring to the table every day. You both be very wildly successful with that a kind of an attitude. Thank you. I hope so. Thank hope you. so. We got well, it, Alex. Natalie, we really yeah. appreciate you coming on yeah, with I, us. Alex. I got one more audience question okay. here real quick. You got another audience oh. question, Johnny? Yes. I got two more audience questions, actually. Oh. Right. So first one, as a first time business owner, what is something you would do differently if you were to open another spin studio? Ooh, do we have a whole other hour? What do we got? <laughs> um, oh, okay. This is the real, real information. This is the real, real advice. You need a hundred thousand dollars more than anybody tells you that you need. That is something I wish I wish, I wish somebody would have told me because of all the financial advisors I went to and the bank to get my small business loan and everybody I went to said, this is how much you need to do this. People who had opened gyms before, this is how much you need to do this. And I said, okay, I trusted everybody because I don't know, it's my first spin studio. And, um, it's, it's not, it was, it's not enough. And, um, we struggle really hard. We are a month-to-month -month studio. We literally pay our bills on a month-to-month -month basis. Um, of course, like we've got great members and great instructors and a beautiful, gorgeous studio. There's nothing I would change about my actual studio. Um, but just know that if you're going to take an undertaking like this, whatever number the investors tell you, not investors, I don't have investors, but the number that people tell you, you need more than that. That's the first thing I'll say because that's what I wish somebody would have said to me. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is get ready for blood, sweat, and tears on a whole level that you could never have imagined because it's not just work anymore. It actually becomes part of your family. The day that we closed up the studio um, to leave, to come home for the pandemic, I wept like somebody died in the car. I was so heartbroken over having to leave this thing behind that I worked so hard for it, not because of the materialistic value, but because of the relationships that we form there and we 
uh, nurture on a daily basis, we, I knew already that I wasn't going to be able to make, have those bonds. And that, that really broke me. So it's, it's so hard. It is so hard to be a business owner, a small business owner. It's so hard to compete with national chains and uh, gyms that have been around for a long time and already have their following and just kind of have to put your head down and just like literally hope for the best. Um, so I would definitely say for first time business owners, you need more money than you think you do and get ready to work the hardest you've ever, ever worked in your life. Now it's a hundred percent worth it. I would never say like, it's not worth it because it is, it was the dream and I worked really hard for it and I'm really glad to be where we are, but, um, there's no glamor in it. There's no, um, there's nothing exciting about the amount of work and undertaking that it is to own a small business. But I really encourage you to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to do that. (laughs) You should do it. You should do it. All right. There's, there was two more, there's one just quick joke question and one more serious question. Which one do you want first? Yeah. Joke. What's the farthest you've ridden on a bike at one time? Oh, at one time? Okay. Well, did you guys do my birthday ride with me? No, but you told me about it. I'm like jealous. Okay. I, want, I want to be there next year. So I did um, 34 miles for my 34th birthday on a spin bike. Um, and a bunch of us did it. Like a bunch of, I can't even name. I think there was like 12 of us who all did it. So we rode for all the classes on Saturday. Um, that, or maybe it was a Sunday whatever it was, my birthday. Um, so the plan was 34 miles, but a bunch of us were hitting the 34 miles in the first couple minutes of the third class. So we couldn't like, couldn't get up and leave in the middle of class. We had to stay for all of them. So I think we all ended up like close to 50. It was like 30. I think there was like, Sammy got like 50 something. And I think I was at 46 or seven, something like that in three classes. That sounds right. Um, so we were hitting about 15 miles a ride, 15, 16 miles a ride. And when it was over, it was like, <laughs> we walked out of there, just like, nobody's talking to each other. It was like my birthday. We we're supposed to go get food. And I was like, I think I'm going to go home. Like, hope everybody has a good day. But it, that's the most I've ever gone in one day is 50-ish miles. I don't even like to commute that far in the morning. <laughs> going to I work. was halfway through it going like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Why did I get everyone to do this with me? This was a really <laughs> bad idea. But it was fun. It was really fun. Nice. All right, last question we have for you. In your opinion, which one do you think will be a better feeling? The first time you metaphorically cut the red ribbon to open up Cycle House or when we all get to finally go back the second time after this? Man, going back. Because the first time we all went in there, I didn't know any of you. And I didn't know the relationships I was going to forge with so many brand new people that I'd never met before. And I'm just so looking forward to like, getting back to the people, like the humans of Cycle House Nashville and not so much, you know, the studio itself, but going back and, and not going back with six bikes in the room and taking everybody's temperature, but going back to a nice full Saturday with the mirrors fogged up and the music blaring and people are, people are pissed off in the back row because the music's too loud and everybody walks out of there with 14 towels. Like that's the, that's the end game. You know, that's what we're always hoping for. And whether that happens in the next month or in the next several months, obviously people's health and the safety of the people of Davidson County are our number one priority, but we're definitely excited to get sweaty with y'all again, for sure. <laughs> I agree with that. I cannot wait to go back. I'm I so excited. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. It's going to be good. Well, I think you guys have got me motivated that when I come down to Carrie and I come down to visit uh, John and Alex, 
I'm gonna have him drag me over there for a class. I mean, yeah, I'll be gonna, gonna, up with it, but we were gonna I'll be that one, one that when you say turn the wind, turn the, the the dial to get a little harder, just don't pay it close attention. No, I won't. Doing, okay? I can't see a thing. It's dark, and I can't see a thing. I promise. <laughs> there we go. Hey, uh, Natalie, thank you. It's been very nice to meet you. Very nice thank to talk you. to you, Alex. It's always fun with you. And uh, you, you hit a home run here with bringing her aboard. She, uh, she gave us a lot of energy. And, and I know you're going to be very successful. Natalie, I'm going to keep up with your career. And thank uh, you, Alex and John. And, and I wish you nothing but the best. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. I can't wait to have you for class. All right. Sounds good. Alex, have a good night. See you guys. Bye, thank you, right. Natalie. Thank you so much, Alex. Bye, John. Of Thanks, course. guys. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at yogamutz, that's M-U-T-T-Z, for all the behind-the-scenes content. And if you could think of anyone that'd be perfect to come on the show, send me a DM, let me know their info, and I'll reach out to them. Uh, final thing, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform for our new episodes, and leave us a review to let us know what you think.